So this afternoon, I'm going to make you work. So if you have an iPad, an iPhone, or a piece of paper and a pencil, I am going to make you write some things down, but I'm going to give you bullet points so that you don't have to um, just write big, long sentences, because I want you to remember just certain things. Okay, volunteer leadership that doesn't just exist, but thrives. So just to give you a basis for what I'm going to be sharing about this afternoon, basic principles and tools to develop a strong and healthy volunteer community within your church, and that it will go beyond what you possibly can imagine. Simply because it's his desire that we not do life alone. What would it be like if Carol Lund did life alone with Bridging the Gap? It would be a sick sight, or Angie the same. We can accomplish so much together, but we have to trust him and great things will happen. And you know, our greatest commodity are people. Our greatest commodity are people. My greatest commodity was women because my portfolio was women. But the foundation beneath leading all people must be, and I want you to write this down, it must be love. It is vital to love the people God created and to love the people he entrusted in your care. Think about loving your community. You know, whether you're working with men's ministries, women's ministries, your church, your parachurch, you know, maybe another volunteer organization. Leading is influence. It is all about call, write that word down, and passion. God's passion for me gives me the freedom to passionately love people. I see Monica in this room, I think. Monica, I think. There she is. There's nobody that loves people more than Monica. And I mean that with all my heart. My portfolio, as I said, was women. But people need to know and understand that we are all called to a higher purpose. So that's my little overview. And I'm going to give you four basic um, what should I say, platforms. The first one is this. So where do we start to build a healthy volunteer team? I'm not going to walk through my whole story, but I'm going to give you a couple of things. My, my job started out at one-fourth time with two people. I quit at least three times. God gave me an idea as I was praying and he said, if you really want to reach and touch the women in Minnesota, you need to do this. You need to teach, you need to train, and you need to train and have people build teams. So, of course, what did I do? I went down to Clarence St. John, my pastor, and I shared with him, I'm all done. I, I can't run it the way it's always been run. I can't do it because that's just not who I am. And I said, do I have permission to build teams? And he said, Yes, but he said, remember this, too much is given, too much is required. That was all he said. All he said. He's a man of few words, a good share of the time. So as this, where do we start? And this is so basic, it's so simple that I'm sure all of you know all of this. You start with prayer. To build a healthy leadership team or volunteer team with 
any church or parachurch. Prayer is foundational. Prayer must be at the core. And if we are leaders, just think, if we as leaders would learn, and this is so simple, to pray in our volunteers, just think what would happen. And, we, and then we would appropriately vet them and find them working in their gifts. I honestly believe that we would never have a problem finding a volunteer. And I believe that to my core. And the byproduct of that would be productive and happy volunteers. Can I have an amen? amen. I, I believe that. And I think bridging the gap is an, is an example of that. Number two, assessment. Write the word assessment down because I'm going to go back to it a few times. Assess your leaders, your volunteer needs. Very important. Now, whether you're in a small church and you have 50 people in that church or you're in a church with 500 or 300, assess your volunteer needs and put them down. As you begin to pray in volunteers, according to the tasks that need to be completed, I guarantee that they will come. If you assess the needs and you start praying in leaders, they will come. Some leaders will emerge in a few days or a week, like with me, but others might show up a year or maybe two years or a few months later. But remember this, God's timing is still perfect. Do we believe that in this room? Yeah. God's timing is still perfect. He will direct your thoughts, your vision, and every step because your needs are his needs. And I want you to repeat that after me. Your, my needs are his needs. He, he's got you covered. Today I can say, let the fun begin. I'm in this room, I'm not in Angie's shoes. <laughs> let the fun begin, okay? Now, to build a healthy volunteer leadership team, but did I say that 20 plus years ago? No, I certainly did not. Be and here's why, because, and I want you to write this down, because sometimes fear came in, causing me to doubt some of my decisions. All of you in this room are leaders. Do you ever have fear come in and you doubt what you believe and you doubt the decision that you've just made. Anybody? Yep. I'm sure all of you have. I often overanalyze the situation, thus creating, and write this down, a battle that I didn't need to engage in. I just need to completely trust him to come through with every detail. And do you believe that? But do we do it? because I'm looking at, in the mirror as I'm sharing these things. At every corner, at every junction of the road, and sometimes it was 11.59, but I chose to trust him. But it took me months, it took me years, it took me weeks to, to figure that out, to be able to say, okay, this is a huge area and we need X amount of leaders and to really believe that they're going to come in with the right giftings. The enemy uses, and I'm going to share this with you, I, Kristen, who has been my admin for many years, and now she's Angie's admin, 
But we have a word that used to come up quite frequently, and that word is distraction. How many of you can recognize distractions? Or do you all of a sudden get through this whole big messy situation? And then you go, oh, shoot, that was a distraction. Why didn't I snap up to it sooner? This was the beginning of my volunteer journey with Bridging the Gap, and it will be the beginning of your new team. It is so simple. Pray, trust him, and watch the Holy Spirit begin to work beyond what you can possibly imagine. He is at work behind the scenes in all of our lives if we allow him to be at work. He's at work. He wants to work. And even when it comes to choosing volunteers. And now I'm going to get to some of the basics. Okay, basic principles or tools for building a healthy team. The first one is this, write it down, mission and vision. Make sure you work or build a team under the framework of a mission and vision. When, I, when we started Bridging the Gap, we didn't have anything. We just sort of floated through the fog. And, but all I know, what I know now, is I want to save you light years of trouble. Stay on course with your overarching mission and vision of your church. And if you start up a new something underneath that, follow that mission and vision, whether you're a parachurch or any other organization. And here's why. Let your mission and vision become your guide or be a perimeter because it will make your life much easier and simpler when making decisions. So when somebody comes to you, you've got six leaders that say, okay, I think we should do it this way and this way and that way, and we're going to do it like this, right? No, it doesn't align itself with the mission and the vision. Does that make sense? Okay, there we go. So simple. Another, another thought along this line with mission and vision. Remember, two, pastoral approval is of utmost importance because it represents respect, honor to authority. Put that away. Number two in this group, assess the basic needs of your church or parachurch. Mine happened to be women. I didn't even like when I took this job, when Pastor Clarence called me, I said, I don't even like working with women. Why are you asking me to do this? We have a cement company. I work with all men. It doesn't make sense. To adequately complete the tasks at hand, whether, part, whether they are part of a short plan or a long-term plan or long-term goals, realistically, and repeat that word after me, realistically assess how many volunteers you really need. Don't fabricate your needs or your wants and turn them into wants. What are they needed in every single area? And what strengths or gifts will be required to complete these tasks? Number three, okay, design an overall plan, but make it really simple. I had one volunteer way back when quit because I, I was always 
grooming or changing agendas. And I don't blame her. I would have quit too. It drove her crazy. But you need an agenda, but produce a simple agenda that will constantly evolve as your teams grow. And that should be constantly changing. But, and don't be afraid of change. I think so oftentimes we look at things and we're, we're afraid to change. And this will look different with every church, every parachurch, every organization, because every church or community should look like their own people. They should look like their city. They should look like the vision of your pastor. They should look like their own. You know, the people at River Valley should not look like Cedar Valley, and the list goes on and on, and Brainerd shouldn't look like River Valley. You know, it needs to look like, what does your community look like? Okay, now design within that overall plan. Um, job descriptions. Write out job descriptions, even if they're one or two sentences. And here's why. If you give a leader, whether you, it's an advisory leader, whatever you choose to call them, a team lead, or all, every leader, every leader needs a clear job description, a job portfolio, and, or whatever you choose to call your leaders or volunteers. Every church or parachurch will have a unique volunteer base that should, once again, resemble their community, and that's, that's what it's all about. We're not trying to mimic every other church. And then I'm going to jump to, write this word down, timeline. Create a clear timeline for all your volunteers because the percentage of time that each volunteer will be able to give will be completely different and extremely important to his or her family. This, these notes are not just for women by any means. With, all the, with the amount of guys in this room, I'm so happy that you're all here, <laughs> that you showed up. You weren't intimidated. It's, it's so good. But really, before somebody signs on the dotted line to be a volunteer for you or you or you, they, they need to know how many hours that they have to pay forward. Does that make sense? Another one. Uh, this would be number four of this group. Determine measurable and specific goals, whether the goals are weekly, monthly, yearly, or maybe a three to a five-year plan. Uh, my team used to go crazy because I was always planning two, three years ahead of time. So after a while, I just kept all that to myself. But you need to keep your team or teams Say you have 10 teams in your church and you need to keep all of them abreast of your goals. What are your goals? And here's what will happen. Those goals, keeping them informed, it equals encouragement. And I, I wrote in pen a few minutes ago, it gives a sense of peace. When people are informed, there is peace. Okay, number five. Evaluate ministry purpose regularly. Why do we do that? Every church or parachurch will need to change or re-strategize with current culture, community, or world changes. I mean, our world in Minnesota, 
oh my gosh, it's just flipping. You never know, from one day to the next, we're flipping, flipping, flipping. Okay, but here, this is what I'm saying. But it doesn't mean you are to change your core values or beliefs. It doesn't mean that. Instead, be ever evolving to change your methods and I, to reach the lost. And here's why. If we're not going to be ready, if we're not going to be ready, it's going to be very difficult to change to reach the lost. Does that make sense? Okay. If you build and execute your team, however small, with the assistance of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's direction, you will be amazed. And I guarantee it because I look back on bridging the gap. When I started out, I had two people, two people that helped me. And we were supposed to do all this stuff. It just didn't make sense. But however small, remember this, small beginnings are really good. Small beginnings are really good because you want to develop a solid foundation to build on and to expand on. Remember those, to build and expand. And now I'm going to hit another overarching theme, assembling a team. How do you assemble a team? What characteristics do you look for in a healthy leader? What does a healthy leader look like? Physically fit, beautiful, gorgeous like you are. Um, here's what I'm going to start contributing. Learn to blend the unique giftings of individuals needed on your team to create more diverse diversity within your team to, to reach a diverse world. Use natural giftings, use spiritual giftings, intellectual DNA, emotional DNA, and relational wisdom because your audience will come from a variety of different backgrounds. Like Monica's church, she has a gazillion backgrounds in her church. And I, I mean, that's why we love it. And I'm going to give you a list of 10 things right now. And you don't have to write the whole sentence, but you just write pieces. Number one, look for leaders who know their passions, strengths, and gifts. And when vetting a new leader, ask this question. And I guarantee if you ask this question right away, what is your passion? Out of this leader's mouth, will just, it'll just roll out of him or her. Because when you ask somebody what their passion is, they rarely keep their mouths closed. Because one thing leads to another, to another, to another. Number one. Number two, look for leaders who know that they are called, even to a volunteer position. That sounds so insane. But look for leaders who are called to your volunteer positions. And I guarantee you, you will start stacking up your leaders. They will start coming in. Number three, look for leaders. And this is probably um, very dear to me who have a teachable spirit and a servant's heart. If somebody doesn't have a teachable spirit, graciously and kindly, just, what should I say? I don't want to say stop the interview, but 
There you go. I know. Number four, look for leaders who exhibit integrity, character, and competence. Those three words are important. Look for leaders who exhibit integrity, character, and competence. Number five, look for leaders who can work on a team, and I love this, and potentially build their own team, and you can work yourself out of a job. Does that make sense? Look for leaders who can build their own team. Number six, look for leaders from all generations, cultures, and denominations. I was never afraid on the Bridging the Gap team because we included multiple denominations. We knew, I knew, our core beliefs, our core values. And what was so beautiful is we saw so much transformation in the lives of women that came in from other denominations that became part of Bridging the Gap and after a while, they ended up in an Assembly of God church. And I could go on and on and on. The lists, the lists are many, actually. And I think we have to be open-minded and not be afraid that we're going to lose our identity within the Assemblies of God. Number seven, look for someone who can reproduce his or herself. Succession builds the leadership team. Build your team always with the end in mind. Does that make sense? Build your team with the end result in mind. Number eight, look for leaders who understand the language of love and grace. If you don't understand the language of love and grace, you're in trouble. Number nine, Look for leaders who are willing to learn, grow, and accept educational opportunities. And number 10, look for leaders who understand a healthy perspective on handling conflict and handling conflict management. Not all leaders will be strong in all of these capacities. But they need to exemplify most of these characteristics. Now, some of you might be sitting here saying, you've just weeded out our, half of our church. <laughs> no, part of, your, part of your job as a leader is to groom some of these people. You know, maybe you aren't going to put them in an advisory position or a team leader, but you can put them over here at, in the follower category. And you can nurture them. That's part of, that was part of my job. It's Angie's job. It's Kristen's job. But we're not, we're not all going to be strong in all of these areas. But we can grow. We can grow. And then I'm going to hit number four. Maintaining and growing a healthy leadership team. What does that look like? How do you maintain? A, once you've got this beautiful team built, what do you do to maintain it and, and grow it? Number one, and there's eight in this, in this category. Do, you, <coughs> do your volunteers really know you love them? Ask the person next to you that question. Do your volunteers really know 
you love them. Ask the person next to you. Uh-huh. Okay. Do they know? Do they know that you care about them personally? Do they know that you care about them personally? As well as what they bring to the table. But do, do they really know that you care about them as a person? Volunteers will know if you are genuine by your words and by your body language, it just how you respond. And the key to longevity of any organization, and I really believe this, it's called love and respect. Love and respect, and if you produce those two words in your volunteers, you will be adding value to them as a human being, even if the only volunteer with you for a year or two years or six months. Number two, get to know them as individuals and their families. And here's why. Every human, all of us in this room, we face challenges. Like I, I just left Methodist Hospital this morning and a friend of ours just had a massive brain bleed and he only has a, a few days left. And and so I say that to you, every single one of you in this room have challenges. We all have challenges that we're facing. But get to know your volunteers, the challenges that they're facing, the joys that they're experiencing, and their hopes and their dreams. What have you ever asked a volunteer? What's your hope? What's your dream? If you could do anything in the whole world, what would it be? You might be surprised. Number three, empower and encourage them. Let them complete their job, even if they make mistakes. That's a tough one. Do you know how and, and when to take the blame? Uh, this happened a few years ago, and it, it was a pretty challenging last minute thing that happened. And I literally wanted to bite somebody's head off. And I'm sure none of you in this room have ever experienced that. But the Holy Spirit told me, told me to wait. And I waited for almost a month before I confronted this person. And the night before I was going to chat with this person, the Holy Spirit just downloaded Carol. You need to go to her and ask for forgiveness. And I went, what? <laughs> no, you need to go to her and ask for forgiveness. Because you put her on the wrong bus seat. Regardless of what she did that was so ugly, I put her on the wrong bus seat. Remember that. Are you willing to do that? to take the blame. Number four, create a win-win situation with the end in mind if you want to finish well. If you want to finish well. 
Create a win-win situation with the end in mind if you want to finish well. Pastor Clarence during devotions, he, and, and Mark too, both of them would refer to finishing well and how important that was. And I, I learned that from him. Number five, keep volunteer teams energized and inspired with encouraging with words of affirmation and a note of encouragement. I'm not a note writer. I'd rather use email or a text message or a small gift of appreciation. I love, one of my love languages is giving gifts. I love to give gifts. How many of you are gift givers? Yeah, use it. And it, you'll be surprised what that does for a volunteer leader. Number six, do you live your ministry vision out? Ask yourself that question just for a split second. Do you live your ministry vision out? Do you bring energy and creativity into what you are pursuing or trying to accomplish? People will see your example. People are looking. People are looking at all of us all the time. And if, if we are that example, they will choose to follow us even more. It's not difficult to have followers, to have volunteers, if we're living it, if we're living it out. Number seven, allow vision, and this is important, to unite all ministry individuals for a common goal. Allow vision. Develop an ongoing, healthy, contemporary vision with a practical strategy for your leadership team to follow freely. That is important. Develop an ongoing, healthy, contemporary vision with practical strategy. And then number eight, the last one. Communication is everything. Keep everyone informed of all the goal changes, of all the plans that need to be, we need to pivot. We just got through, I just went with Angie on a missions trip to Africa. I bet in one given day, Angie, how many times did we pivot? <laughs> it, it was like, you know what? Nobody should go on a missions trip unless you're willing to pivot, 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 pivot. Nobody should have a leadership team unless you're willing to pivot. And when goals change, when plans need to be pivoted, and problem-solving situations, let your team be part of the problem-solving, not gossip, problem-solving, as well as the solution. Let them be a part of the fixing. Oftentimes, we try to spare our teams the fixing. No, they need to be a, at least a portion of it. And then I'd just like to close with this thought, and then I'm going to open it up for discussion. Continue to refine, not change, your, or, your leadership organization. Not your core mission and vision statement, because healthy change produces life and unity. And it's called, are we having fun yet? So ask the person next to you, are we having fun yet? 
And you know why? Because we get to we get to do this together. We get to do this together. And what what we call and in my book what I call together is this. It's called team leadership. Together is called team leadership. Sometime I'm going to have somebody do a sign that has some of those words in it. And now I'd like to open, can I open it for discussion? And I'm going to apologize right now because <laughs> I, um, I picked up some stupid virus, which I don't have anymore. But then I went to Florida because somebody had given us this beautiful condo to use for 10 days. And I had an encounter with what, with what they call the red tide. And I, my throat, I have asthma and allergies. And so the fact that I can even talk this afternoon is really, 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 really good. So I apologize. We're done. No. No, anyway, so any questions from, okay. Yep. Let me throw something back at you, because before this ever started, and I don't know what you did or didn't do, you have to lay out a clear plan, a job description for the decorator. And the decorator needs to be with the team so that when you decide what the decor is going to look like, then she needs to follow that. Anybody else in this room have a little bit of something for her? Well, and you know what you could do is just steer her graciously. I, I have this philosophy, just be honest and just, just be honest. You know what, honey, this isn't what I was really planning or thinking. Do you think we could work together and maneuver this around? I won't skirt an issue. I will, I will go confront it. Go ahead. So I'm thinking in that sort of situation where she's wanting to take the reins and do her own thing, maybe, you know, do what Carol just said and say, you know what, next time we have an event, why don't you come alongside me and help mm -hmm. me to, um, you know, come up with the ideas for decorating. But this time we're going to do it this way. Yeah. That's I think well, you know, a lot of people use God for a lot of things. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. That you need to paint this. And I said, well, God told me uh, that you tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but you can you can say that graciously. Yeah. Yeah. Great idea. The thing is that they feel included in that. Yep. Um, then they're validated and they're seen. Um, and at the same time, if you have a good relationship with them, you know, you can just... It, it's number... Are sure God told you that? I've always asked that question, too. That's really good. It's kind of what I said about let them be a part of the problem-solving, the solution. And if they can be a part of solving the problem, it really helps. More questions? Yeah. I feel like that's something that I've used in the past of like, okay, this is pretty specific vision of the type of event or the type of thing that we're looking for. But in that, I trust you to come up with yeah. to be able to use your creativity because then they feel some ownership and they're like, okay, but I do have some boundaries, quote unquote, of like, yep. this is what we're going for. But in that realm, I'm able to express creativity. Yes. Oh, okay, this is what I can do. This is the parts that I can express. And that's why the mission and vision is so important. And within mission and vision, there's usually boundaries. Go ahead. So these are all great qualities for leaders that you need to pick. But sometimes you think you know a person or you oh, don't. Yes. Are there any uh, tips on that you can interview? Any tips on just assessing a person that they would have these qualities? You know, Kristen and I got to the point, and correct me if I'm wrong, Kristen, where we ended up having people sending us letters, resumes, because they wanted to volunteer. I mean, who gets that, you know? <laughs> but one of the things, and I'm gonna go back to what I said earlier, is when you interview somebody, and they, they know clearly what you're interviewing them for, but you ask them what their passion is, and that I'm, I am, I would stake my life on that because out of their mouths will come auto, car automotives, engines, maybe it's creativity, decorating for an event. I mean, you, you're gonna hear out of, out of the heart and the belly comes their passions. And I think you can, you can cut people off kind of right there, very graciously. Brandon. So kind of piggybacking off of that, um, one situation, I've asked that question to someone in our church right now. Yep. And they can't give me an answer. Nope. But they want to be there. Uh huh. Everything. Uh huh. How do you navigate that? I would. Okay. Okay. This is off the cuff now. Yep. I don't know whether that's right or wrong. Okay. But I would say, you know what, sir? When when you come up with an answer, like when you. Let, when you tell me what your passion is, then we'll sit down and we'll talk about an opportunity for you. Does that make sense? Yeah. But, but being strong as leaders is not a bad thing, and it doesn't mean you're mean. It doesn't mean you're mean. 
It's, it's absolutely true, and people hardly know that they're volunteering, which is sick, really. <laughs> but they hardly know they're working or volunteering if they're working within their gifts. How do you handle a situation where um, you inherited a team of volunteers? <laughs> there might be people on the team who don't belong there. They've been on the team for a really long time and they think they belong there. You know, okay, I'm going to, I am going to call on Angie, but I, let me say this. I probably would have gotten rid of, rid of them off that team a long time ago because in some gentle way possible, Angie inherited an entire team, but it did not happen overnight. We navigated it and navigated it, and we built bridges, and, um, but part of it was my attitude, I think, of how much I loved them, and how much I loved Angie, and I gave them a choice, so maybe you could add to that. Yes. Yes. Very much so. And you know, along with what Angie said, that's why I started this breakout off that prayer has got to be core. It has to be foundational. Because we have prayed people in and we have prayed people out. <laughs> and I mean, that sounds, again, it sounds really mean, but it's not. Brandon. I, I think with that too, it's going back to the expectations and your vision for those roles too. Because um, when you inherit a team, you and you don't, they feel like they fit, right? But if you have a vision, let's just say it's the coffee bar, and your vision is to have the coffee bar clean, to have the coffee pots washed, to have snacks, and all these things, and you start laying out expectations. Well, after two or three times of them not fulfilling the expectations of the role, they may realize this isn't the spot for me. Mm -hmm. And then you can navigate if they feel like you're Correct. being too pushy or whatever, and then you yeah. go back to the vision and mission of that role. But yeah. a lot of times people, when they can't 
they when they know if they're fulfilling the expectations or not, and they will often move themselves out of that and maybe find something like they were saying that more aligns with their vision, or they will have a discussion with you about their passions, and then you can right fit someone else in their spot. That will be and na for and that. navigate that. Go ahead. Yes. Can really affirm mm -hmm. some things for them. I didn't bring that up today, but I we right. do that all the time. For Minsum, we do uh, you know, that's one of our as an intern, we figure out where your giftings and your talents are. Yes, you want to be in ministry, but what other parts about ministry? And that that is free. You know, you can find many free yes. to be able to ask your Ask people who want to get volunteer because if this guy that doesn't know what he really, really wants to do, maybe that is a good way for that person to figure out, oh, hey, you know, yeah. this sounds really, I scored really high in this area. Yeah. Okay, let's see how we can fit you in. Yeah, because they may feel like they want to serve in the coffee bar. Well, mm -hmm. why do they want to serve yeah. there? What's the why of why they think they belong? Well, that why belongs better over here. Mm -hmm. Driving so, bus. Right, right. Getting the right seat on the bus. Okay. And it is. Go ahead. I, um, for me, it's um, love covers a multitude of mistakes. Oh, my goodness, yes. Yeah. It, that is the most important thing, that we are loving one another. Yeah. Because um, that's what it's about. God put them next to yeah. to love them. And, uh, it is. Love has to be the foundation. It has to be the under. something that's on or in that's causing you to say they don't fit. And there's a, there's a reason why that is. And I have had experience in this just being at Summit for the last year and a half. It's like Seabiscuit. Have you ever seen the movie? Yeah. Um, this quarter horse wins the derby. Uh, I inherited a lot of teams, frankly, with a lot of quarter horses. And I treat them as as the stallion, as like this thoroughbred, and they have risen to the, to the, like to the level of running and racing, like you couldn't believe. The other thing is, I discover a lot of hurt. Yes. The reason why there's conflict on the teams is because they're hurt. Something happened before you got there that they've yeah. been on a long time that they've been carrying a long time. So what's cut below the surface that's causing the conflict is a really good question. Because this person that doesn't fit on the team. This might need to be healed on your yeah. team. Yep. And that's a question in a conversation that, that is like sometimes good to ask. Like, hey, you don't seem like you're having a good time, or you seem like you're carrying a lot of weight, and then all of a sudden the water works and it just comes out. That is that is such a good good answer because oh, people are walking around with pain. Sorry to interrupt. I know you were next. I I'm a volunteer. I'm <laughs> People are walking around with pain, and they're walking around sometimes with, with past hurts and unforgiveness. And we, at uh, the leadership summit that Angie just got through doing in February, uh, one of the gals did a breakout there 
about how to, how to make yourself unoffendable. I honestly think every single one of us should take that class, how to, how to be unoffendable. Because we could go a whole lot further if we weren't offended over every little thing. Okay, we have about two, two minutes left. Right. And they are placed in a position that shows that you value them and that you trust them. Yep. That's where they can be cultivated into the leaders that they need to be. So I just wanted to say that because it's not always the idea that you want to work in the nursery. You can work in the nursery because the church may need you to work in the preschool room or may need to work you with, need to work with the team. Absolutely. So it's more so like making them feel valued where they are at and watch them rise to the occasion. And that doesn't mean they're going to serve at a five all the time because that might not be their ministry. That's good. That's really good. Anybody else? One more. I just wanted to say one quick thing about that is that those people that you're talking about are the teachable people. Yeah, that's good. Yes, it is. They are. Those are the kind of leaders you want. They're like, I'll serve anywhere. Yeah. What, the church needs people to work in the nursery and love babies on Sunday morning? I'll do that. Yep. Yep. And then ask them to leave. Yep. Sure. <laughs> I, I love you. <laughs> this is good. Thank you all for coming to this session. And I apologize again for my voice, but it's all good.